Amazing. Well, today we have Ben Reynolds from Particle on the Dilly Dally podcast. So Ben, thanks so much for coming on to the pod today. Of course. Thanks for having me. We'd love to get to know your story, how you got started at Particle, the background of your career, where it all started, and just the journey, and then get into some more specific questions. So we always like to start off the podcast of how did you get started in your career? Did you know what you wanted to do? And how did you get to become the head of partnerships at Particle? Yeah. Um, my So I did kind of like a, a complete 180 on what, it, what I wanted to do with my career. So whenever I was in college, I actually studied psychology. And what I wanted to do with that was go and get my PhD and do research on anxiety and depression. Um, and then... I had uh, I did like a, a two year mission trip to Chile, um, and while I was there, I kind of decided like I didn't I didn't want to do psychology. I wanted to do business. So when I got back, um, I started working at Enterprise Holdings. So they they have like you know Enterprise Rent a Car, Enterprise Fleet Management, and I was there for a few years. I wanted to then get into tech and get into like a smaller company. Um, Enterprise has been around forever, and so it's like a very, very conservative, uh, wear a suit and tie to work every day type of type of job. And so, and did you like um, wearing a suit and tie every day, or you're like, this is not the future? I, to be honest, I had been wearing a suit and tie for like two years during the entire trip to Chile, so I was pretty used to it. But like, mm-hmm. I love the idea of not having to wear it. Um, mm-hmm. But the main thing too, was just like, I wanted to, I had some friends who had moved to the tech space and they just loved it. And so, um, when I decided to jump, I jumped over to Podium, which is a tech company here in Utah. Um, they work mainly with local businesses. So think like, uh, you know, like a repair shop or roofing company, those types of businesses. And I started off there as an SDR, just kind of like the entry role position and worked my way up, managed a couple of different uh, SDR teams over there for a couple of different verticals. And then um, they created a brand new partnership program for agencies specifically. And so I was the first hire over there and eventually ended up managing that team before um, a mutual connection introduced me to one of the founders at Particle. And, uh, they, they currently had someone in marketing running partnerships while they were also doing everything else that marketing involves. <laughs> so, a lot. yeah, so they wanted someone to come over and, uh, head up the partnerships program. And so here I am, it's been almost yeah. a year. Yeah. So tell everyone about particle. What is particle? What problem is it solving? And what, what was the hook that when they, when the founders came to you and you connected with them that you're saying like, this is, this is a cool job. Like, let me dive yeah. in. Yeah, so Particle is um, an e-commerce AI data tool, right? All the all the hot words. Um, but essentially, what it is is it provides e-commerce brands with data um, to make better product decisions and pricing decisions. So essentially, what we're doing is we're providing um, inventory level data um, for a bunch of different products in the space. So if I'm an apparel company, I can see. Uh, what styles, what products, what colors, what sizes are performing best in the market. And the thing that hooked me is I just had never heard of anything like that before. I know I knew of a couple of, of data platforms out there like Jungle Scout, which focuses on Amazon and kind of the giant in the space NPD, which does mainly retail data, but there was really nothing in the DSC space. So it was exciting for me because it was a 
it was kind of a new, a new tool, not really any competitors in the space and uh, really loved the founding team over there. Um, so that's why, that's why I jumped mm -hmm. over and, uh, have really fell, fallen in love with uh, e-commerce since getting here. So whenever we talk a lot about creating products, whether they're physical product or like a software as a service, and whenever a product is new and there's nothing to compare it to, there can be, it's, it's like an education moment within the space. So for example, if you have um, like a copywriting AI tool, right? Everyone's like, okay, there's a hundred of them on the market. At least I know yeah. I can compare them, but I, I'm as a consumer, I'm educated and I know what this is. But with Particle, if it really is like one of, if it's bringing newness to the space and solving a problem that people had on their minds, but went maybe in a more like, I don't know, old school way of solving it or yeah. taking research. Did you find that there was, a learning curve for consumers and how do you market to them? How do you get brands to get hooked on this and excited? Or is it something that they're intuitively already looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's definitely a learning process. Um, if you've kind of looked at, I forget the name of it, but it's kind of like, it shows like your audience, right? Whenever you're selling a product, there's kind of like those innovators who it's new technology. They want to get their hands on it and they want to use it. They're excited about it. And then as you move along that, you get the people who like, they want to, they're not going to buy something unless like, it's kind of an established mm -hmm. uh, tool out there in the market. So like early on, um, Boehm was one of our first customers. They're an apparel company. I would definitely um, say that they're more kind of, kind of in that innovator space. And so really the, the first thing overall was like figuring out how to talk about this. And early on with like innovators, um, it's really just like, explaining it the best that you can and certain innovators will just get it and it'll click mm -hmm. and they can figure out ways to use it but as we've grown like the biggest thing is just leaning on our customers to provide the feedback that we need mm -hmm. to make it a better product and make it more usable um, especially with data because like data data is great but if you don't know what to do with data it's so it's so useless right like you have okay. to be able to make it actionable so the biggest thing that we've done is just like making sure that we're constantly getting feedback from our customers. Like we have a Slack channel um, and we're still doing this to this day. We have a Slack channel where like our CSMs just post product feedback all day long. And so like constantly nice evolving. Thing, and, but how do you know, yeah. how do you know, let's say you have 20 different things that come in on a given day of different feedback and some might contradict one another. How do you know, or how does the product team, how do you move forward? Like what's the process behind that? Yeah, good question. So um, one of the things that we do in the channel is like kind of like an upvote, right? Like if we have multiple people asking for a specific uh, feature in the product, then that definitely pushes the uh, kind of pushes us forward to really explore that that opportunity. Um, the second piece of it too is uh, one of our co-founders' wife owns a dancewear brand, so mm -hmm. that's really nice because um, we can get the feedback from her, who's you know, she's been using the product since it was first created. In fact, it was created for her by our founder. Um, but the main thing is just like, it's kind of a mixture of how many of our customers are asking for this, this particular feature. And how does that fit in with like long-term what we want to focus on? Like we went on this tangent like a year and a half ago where we built like an attribution piece of the product. 
And it like didn't really fit in very well with like the whole idea of what we wanted to do as a product. We ended up scrapping it, but like mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just like making the mistake of creating something in the product that just really doesn't resonate with our customer base and doesn't fit in long term. And you just have to learn from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've gone from, you know, kind of focusing on like competitive research and like really focusing on that competitor buzzword yeah. to a product that is focused on product development and pricing optimization and looking at it from a product perspective rather than looking at it from a competitor perspective. So really is like you make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And you learn so from you them. You test the waters, but you know, knowing which waters to test and which ones to stay yeah. in and which ones to leave. Yeah, exactly. So like if we have a bunch of customers asking for a, sp- a particular feature and it fits in with our goal of being a product development pricing tool, um, that's something we definitely explore and we'll build. And um, if people love it, great. We'll continue to improve on it. If they don't, then you know, it's just one more thing that we've learned from. Mm-hmm. So. so who is your average or who is your like, ideal customer and who's your average customer? Are they the same right now? Is it, are they going to merge? Are they going to differentiate? Yeah. So um, we, whenever we started off, it was, it was pretty broad, right? Like anyone, anyone who wanted to work with us and we had data that would fit in with their category, we'd work with them. We've really whittled it down since then because we've realized like this is more useful for certain types of brands. And I would say now like our main focus is apparel and accessories, health and beauty and home goods. The brands that really find a lot of value from it are going to be the brands with a lot of products, right? And and mm-hmm. with apparel especially, there's so many different SKUs. Um, they're constantly developing new prices. Um, obviously, like the economy is always changing, so they're always going to need to make sure that their pricing is optimized. Um, but it just makes more sense for them because there's more, there's just more products, right? Whereas if you're thinking about, um, I don't know, like, uh, like a new it's, Dyson type product, right? Where there's true. like yeah. one or two products. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's like the know, hero it, products that are going to be there, but it's true with, especially with active wear and styles have changed and look at yoga pants from 15 years ago. It was all about the flare and then it was all about the skinny fit and it was all about the high waist. And now we're somehow back to flare pants at yoga studios. And I'm still confused by that, but uh, it's true. It's like, there's an evolution and and how do you know where to invest in, in terms of pricing? That's really interesting right now because I've seen a lot of retailers slashing their prices or saying, spend over a certain dollar amount, get a percentage off. Um, Do you find that any of your clients, are they lowering their prices right now or is that they're discounting their prices or are they looking to introduce lower price points or are people just saying, okay, there is an economic downturn, but we're not going to play into it. We're going to study, like go forward and just focus on great marketing and loyalty. Yeah. I would say like, just looking at the data myself, we definitely do see a lot of price reductions. Right. And I think that makes sense. We're in a situation right now with the economy with high inflation people are becoming a little bit more um cost sensitive whenever making purchasing decisions so it makes sense to see that overall in the market but we do have like we, we have a customer a, a jewelry customer made by mary and they raised like their top products by five bucks and didn't see any change in demand whatsoever and wow. you think about like if, the, if you're selling thousands of units every single month and you're adding five dollars like it's not costing them more to produce products, right? It's just five extra dollars to their bottom line. So that's huge mm-hmm. for them as a business. It adds up. Um, yeah. So I think you just got to be careful, right? Like that's where data can come in handy, where you can see what, what the market is actually responding to right now, rather than just kind of 
you know, let's change the price and see what happens. Cause mm -hmm. it's an iterative approach. It takes a while and it's hard to get right. It's much easier if you have the data from the market to, to make those types of decisions. But I would say overall, like you are seeing price reductions just given the, the current um, economic situation. So can you share how, or whatever you were able to share, how the technology works and what were your clients doing before they connected with Particle? How are they locating this data, reviewing the data, making these decisions? Did the data even exist or could they access the data? Maybe the data's already always been there, but what was their access level to it? Yeah, so I'll start with the second piece there um, because we're constantly talking to new brands and we, you know, we'll typically ask them about what they're doing. Um, some of the brands were already trying to get their hands on data. So they're using, you know, like NPD and using IRI and using Jungle Scout and these different platforms out there. But honestly, you'd be surprised, like some of the bigger brands that we talked to, they were sending like people to Nordstrom to see what was on the racks. like. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, or like going That's to cool. a, a yoga studio and seeing what people are wearing, right? Like oh. you, you can, you can only do, you, you have to use what you have, you know, at, at the ready. So there, it's a good mixture there. Like, you know, some other products are being used out there to, to gather data. Other, a lot of uh, the other stuff that brands are doing is just like, you know, stuff you, what you're seeing people wear on the street or at, mm -hmm. at dance studios or at yoga studios, right? Um, the data that we're, that we're getting though, we really found our niche in the DDC space because we have all these um, other platforms that focus on Amazon or, or marketplaces or retail data. There just wasn't really anything for D2C. So some brands, like we've talked to people who they'll go to the cart and try and figure out how much is an in inventory and check that again later and, and trying to get an idea of how many units are moving. But um, doing that for every single SKU on a website multiple times a day pretty, pretty time consuming and, yeah. and tough to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So essentially what we're doing is we're kind of using that same method, but we're using the site map or whatever we can do to find inventory levels on the website, pulling pricing information, any price changes that happen on the website, we're pulling in there too. important events like new product launches. Um, but essentially like plain and simple, we're building scrapers and those go through the website uh, multiple times a day to, to track uh, or benchmark changes in inventory. And then we're putting it in a platform that makes it easy for people to, to digest that information and make decisions based off of it. Um, That's amazing. But really that sounds like, so helpful. As someone who's like worked in e-commerce to bigger well, retailers, this is, this is very helpful, especially with like pricing and, and just coming out with new products. And especially I've always, I've never been on the number side, but I've always been on like marketing and PR side. And so mm -hmm. much of the focus is, is newness, especially within beauty and, and varies with apparel too. But I know a lot of your focus is on apparel companies, but within beauty, yeah. you could come out with like the most amazing moisturizer, the lipstick that will last the test of time, you know, foundation that is just flawless. And you could build a company realistically off those three products and mm -hmm. make them evergreen. But for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's like a bigger explanation to this, people just push newness constantly. I don't know if it's the retailers, and but even within a direct-to-consumer standpoint, is it newness and limited edition that you're pulsing out on social media or building that loyalty or keeping up with trends, even though you have this tried-and-true product, tried-and-true product? But um, the newness is tricky because you're putting new product development money behind it. You're making new packages, components marketing spend, gifting influencers, it's a huge investment. So making smart decisions with the correct analysis of data is 
is imperative in today's world. Yeah, I mean, developing a new hero product can be huge for a brand, but you're right. Like, if I develop a product and I put a bunch of resources behind it that just does not hit, um, that can cost a lot of money. Like, I think about one of our clients who, you know, before they were using us, they saw two of their competitors drop a specific product. They jumped in and did the same thing. They lost like 300K on that product. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. Um, And whenever you have data to back up your decisions, it just, it reduces the risk, minimizes the risk whenever it comes to developing these Mm -hmm. new products. But like people love new stuff. I mean, you think about like some of these brands out there, like uh, Kith is a good example where they're, Mm -hmm. they do like these drops or or ALD, Mm -hmm. right? Does Mm -hmm. drops. Um, They'll do stuff with like new balance and stuff like that. And they make like a certain amount available. Um, like people love that stuff. I, people get I so excited. got some shoes that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, it's exactly. a marketing play. It's a community building gets people excited. So is that your biggest hook when you're, when you're talking with clients is your biggest hook, um, like a, like a lowering the risk. Is it saving money? Is it, uh, just getting smarter about bringing products to market? What is like your leading tagline or hook or that compelling message? Yeah, I, I would say um, that that is the main thing, right? Like is making smarter decisions as you're launching new products and having data to back up those decisions rather than like doing it and figuring out whether or not it worked afterwards. Um, but data data and AI are becoming more and more readily available, right? And the brands that adopt that technology to make smarter decisions, I think are going to be the ones that really benefit from this boom right now. Mm. Um, but the main thing is absolutely that, like, if you're a brand, think about how much it costs to launch a product that fails or think about how huge it is to launch a new hero product or a new winning product, right? Like 80% of your profits are probably coming from 20% of your products. How nice would it be to add another product in that 20%, right? Mm-hmm. That can be huge for a brand. And so that's the main thing, just like understanding what is the, like, what is the real impact to your business? Um, whenever you can avoid making costly deci- or bad decisions and, and make great mm-hmm. product decisions. Just putting more confidence behind that, that big push of the new product or that campaign you're going to spend or the, the new face of the brand you're going to hire for that product. There's a lot of, like you said, there's yep. a lot of costs that go in. So Absolutely. we talked about Particle. Now let's talk about partnerships and how we, we heard your story, how you navigate into partnerships. But so much of what we do focus on this podcast is about sharing different careers that aren't just the the standard like banker, teacher, lawyer. There are so many Mm -hmm. things people can do today. And especially within the space of technology and creativity, we want more people to learn how they can pivot or grow their career into this direction. And partnerships is something that we talk about a lot, just because there are more brands than ever and agencies and tech platforms that, you know, collaborate. So let's talk about partnerships and how you got there. And um, let's start there. Yeah. So, um, before I was in partnerships, I was in direct sales. Um, direct sales is all about like creating a really like creating rapport really quickly, creating like the short term relationship with the, with the prospect. Um, I just like my personality, I, I prefer like long-term relationships. And so that was the main thing that, that pushed me over to partnerships. Um, another thing too, is like, I look at, uh, we hired a guy from Atlassian over at podium. And I, I don't know the exact figures, but I know like over half of their revenue comes from partnerships. Um, and as a business, like you think about the different ways that you're bringing in revenue through, you know, direct, direct customers and 
all these different channels, right? Mm -hmm. um, diversification of channels, I think, is huge um, for making sure that the that you're consistent as a company, right? Um, partnerships, I feel like, offer a really great way to 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 add that consistency there because sometimes direct sales isn't going to go great. Uh, sometimes you have like right now where people are are timid and not wanting to spend a lot of money. Uh, your product is probably the last thing on your mind, especially if you're just reaching out cold. But when it comes to partnerships, like having someone that they're working with that they trust to make the introduction um, may just like lower that barrier to at least listen to what the product can offer. Mm -hmm. um, and it might, it might just end up being the thing that they need right now to get through, um, you know, the, this, this type of situation that we're in real. So kind of two things there, one, the long-term relationship piece Two, understanding um, just how important partnerships can be for an organization were kind of the two things that, um, that pushed me into the partnership mm -hmm. space. It's really interesting how like you have the sales experience and like that traditional, that core base of building a business that is so key and you've developed it into like a broader area within partnerships and that you've moved from enterprise being such a corporate company for lack of better terms, but like a traditional model and like shifting into like a tech startup per se and like paving the way there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a fun ride for sure. Yeah. So what advice would you have? Let's say someone's coming up to you and they're like, Hey Ben, I am starting off uh, in my career, whether I'm like 18, I'm entering my first year of college or maybe I'm 22 and I just graduated and like, what should I do? I like, I know I don't want to have like the traditional job, but I want to do something fun. I have some tech skills, but I'm not a developer. Um, like partnership sounds really interesting. Let's say you're just sitting with them at coffee and they're, they're a little lost, but they're really interested and they're intrigued by your career. What would mm -hmm. you say to this person and what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I, I would say like for someone, I, I went through the same thing where I was really nervous about the first job I got because in my mind, it was like, I'm going to jump into this job and like, that's what I'm going to do, right? Like I can't really pivot throughout my career. I'm going to focus on one thing and, you know, I got to stay the course. Right. And I had actually a friend of my parents whenever I was really young told me like, your career isn't just like with one company. Um, even if you go somewhere and you're there for a year and you realize that you don't like it, um, you still learn a bunch of, of valuable stuff while being there. You know, different lessons that you learn, different people that you meet, different connections that you make um, that can ultimately open up more opportunities for you in the future. So like if, if there's something that you think you want to do, like just just go for it. I mean, there's especially right now, like the job market is um, especially in tech. Like there, I, I know there's been layoffs and everything like that, but there is a lot of need for for people in tech. Mm -hmm. And whether you like go into the sales route, like SDR is a very common way for people to get in tech because it, you know, you can go a lot of different places from that. You could go, you know, stay in direct sales. You could go into partnerships. You could go into marketing. There's still a lot of doors whenever you come in kind of bottom level there at a tech company, but realizing too, like, just cause you start doing one thing and then you decide oh, you don't want to do it anymore. You didn't waste your time doing that. You learned a lot and it's going to be valuable throughout your career. So like if you, whatever you decide to do, like give it a year, if you like it, great, keep going for it. If you don't, you learned a lot of great things and it's going to open doors for you to, to do something else that you enjoy. There's skills that you learn on every job and like, whether it's a big company yeah. or a small company and you go from small to big or big to small, but if you, yeah. it's, and it's also, I mean, 
right now there's some people that like at huge companies, right? You have like one very specific job and you might do the same job function all day long that smaller companies, you could technically be doing the equivalent of maybe a 30 person department on a, in a given yeah. day. So um, what do you like about working at, I'm, I'm assuming Particle is probably like a small nimble company that's growing rapidly. Yeah. So you probably have, you wear a lot of many hats and you do yes. a lot. So how do you, how do you handle that? Like what is, what, how do you navigate the, you know, going from one task to the next and how do you like yeah. stay focused on a, a given project? Yeah, I think um, this actually brings up something just kind of the previous question is like, whether you like, whatever you're thinking about, like a big corporate company, um, even if it's in the tech space, right? Like a Google or something like that. Um, it depends on what you want for your career, right? Do you want stability or do you want to be challenged doing something new every single day? Some people want stability. They want to feel comfortable. They want to focus on one thing. And that's kind of where I feel like a, a bigger, more established company makes sense. Um, that's where I started. And I realized that I wanted, um, I wanted my days to be a little bit different every day. And so that's kind of what drove me into tech. But the main thing too, is like, I'm, I'm a one man team at, at particle. Um, I am partnerships at particle. There's no one else on my team. I get help from the marketing team and everything like that. But in terms of partnerships, it's just me. And so I do a lot of different things every day. And I think partnerships in general requires you to have a lot of different skills. You have to be kind of like a CSM. You have to be like an SDR. You have to be like an AE. There's a lot of different roles that go into it, but understanding what your ultimate goal is, like that one thing that you want to focus on will guide what you do, will guide your priorities to help you stay on track. Cause it is easy to get lost in the weeds sometimes. Definitely. And without but a North anything, Star, it's like, what are you working towards? Especially your phone can be ringing. You're getting text messages, Slack messages. You have yeah. appointments to get to. You're trying to research. Yeah, you need that North Star in the day. Yeah, and, it, and I read this book called The One Thing a while back that's really stuck mm -hmm. with me. Um, the thing you want to ask yourself is like, first of all, like, what's that North Star, like you said? And the first thing you should ask yourself before doing anything is like, does this lead me to that one thing? right? Does this get me closer to that one thing? If it doesn't, it's probably not a priority. If it is, then you start kind of figuring out what you need to do on a daily basis to get closer to that one thing. That's great. So where else do you get your advice? As we wind down a few more questions, but where else do you get advice or where do you seek it? Share more. I think, yeah, but books are great. Obviously, um, a lot of great books out there. Uh, I love self-help books as corny as they can be sometimes. I think they're awesome okay. and they have great yeah. bits of knowledge in there. Um, uh, also like just opportunities you have to build your network are huge. One, because it opens doors for the future um, should you decide to do something different. But two, like everyone has different experiences and there's something you can learn from every single person out there. Mm -hmm. um, so opportunities to network and uh, work with different people, both in your space and without your space um, is, is another great way to make sure that you're, you're learning something new every single day. So mm -hmm. books, people you work with, networking opportunities outside of your company. Those are like the three main things that, um, I think have helped me most to grow in my career. Yeah, those are all great, especially network too. And I think that's, that's yes. one of the original reasons we started this podcast is because we started talking with people, whether it's through work or friends, or we just would run into, and everyone had such an interesting story. And if people could share it and give advice. It's a great way of learning and continuing to evolve that network, whether it is for sales or if it is for an 18 year old wondering what they should do with their career, or if it's someone saying, 
I'm creative, but I'm really passionate about tech and solving problems, but I'm scared of sales. Like, how do I, how do I navigate a pivot in my career? So it's, it's maximizing and optimizing knowledge and expanding it. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and especially if you're, if you're scared of something, it's good to know someone in that space so they can really shed light on, on what's Mm -hmm. scary about it and what's not. Yes. And like move past fear-based mindset and just keep going forward. So on a final question, uh, Ben, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Um, Teleportation. Mm. Um, Because I love to travel Mm. and don't necessarily like the traveling part of it. So let's say that. Travel's rough. Amazing. Anywhere fun planned? Any travel on the books? Um, Going to Oregon. Uh, right. next month and then, Perfect. uh, plan to, to go to Spain later this year. So oh, excited about that. Amazing. 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 Yeah. Well, you're going to have a great time. Those are two, two cool places. For sure. Well, thank you, Ben. Thanks for sharing all of your advice and career journey and more about particle. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, if there's, I'm not sure podcast wise, but like, feel free to include my email in here. You could reach out directly to me. Um, and then I'm, I'll provide you a link to Anne so that way they can check more um, about Particle.